You're listening to Cancer Mythbusters, a podcast from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where we talk about the many myths, misconceptions, and questions in the world of cancer. Today's myth, the idea that cancer is a battle or a personal war that patients have to fight. We hear it all the time. Cancer is a battle, and patients have to fight in order to increase their chances of a good outcome. It's a common message used in the media, the premise being that a person's cancer can be eradicated if they're tough enough. But does this put the burden of healing on patients by turning them into winners and losers? Does it saddle those who aren't doing well with the added guilt of not having fought hard enough? And how much does a person's attitude really matter in the grand scheme of their cancer treatment? We're talking about these questions and more, plus some strategies for how patients, caregivers, and survivors can deal with mental health issues and emotional stress with Dr. Bill Pearl, Vice Chair of Psychosocial Oncology at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. So to start off, can you just tell us a little bit about what you and the Department of Psychosocial Oncology and Palliative Care focus on at Dana-Farber? The Department of Psychosocial Oncology and Palliative Care at Dana-Farber focus on quality of life for patients, uh, both in terms of physical symptoms as well as psychological symptoms. The Dana-Farber Cancer Institute was the first cancer center that recognized the need for psychosocial care, uh, and we had the very first oncology social worker here in 1968. Great. So to get right to it, is there a benefit to viewing cancer as a battle, or is this really a myth that should be eradicated? I I think it is controversial uh, that for some people it may be helpful to look at it in a way that gets them motivated or or uh, shifts them to action of doing something for their cancer. Uh, But for many people, it's not. Uh, And actually, there's a famous book that was written in 1977 by Susan Sontag called Illness is Metaphor, specifically around how it can be harmful. Using metaphors like that set it up as winners and losers. Uh, And so when uh, somebody might have cancer progression or things don't go in the way that uh, they were hoping, may feel like they didn't do enough or they lost the battle, uh, it also is very violent. It sets up ways to think about doing very violent things to your body and cancer treatment as doing uh, extreme measures uh, in order to achieve sort of victory uh, over this enemy. Uh, So it it can actually make some people feel worse uh, in terms of not doing enough for their cancer. Uh, And it also sets up a uh, dynamic that is kind of not what people expect in kind of wanting to be cared for in cancer treatment at this peaceful environment and nurturing of setting up with these kind of violent metaphors. Also, there are a lot of metaphors just in our everyday language that talk about cancer in warlike terms that can be harmful for people, too. When they talk about something being a cancer in an organization, it's something they need to cut it out before it kills things. Like, it's not helpful for people to hear that. And sort of cancer really shouldn't be used as a metaphor uh, in that way. And so is there evidence that a person's personality traits can affect outcomes? It was once kind of thought that people with certain personality traits were more susceptible to cancer. Yeah, so back in the 1940s through 60s, there was a lot of interest in that and how specific personality traits uh, could actually cause cancer or predispose people for cancer. 
Uh, some of the research was funded by the tobacco industry that as we started to learn that cigarettes could cause cancer, uh, they were trying to fund alternative facts for how cancer might be funded through, I mean, uh, might be caused by other reasons. Uh, so that research isn't really looked at in the same way now as it was then. Uh, and generally today, we don't believe that personality factors uh, influence cancer development. Ultimately, can a positive or negative attitude have an effect on a person's outcome? Or is that a myth? And if that is a myth, are there still benefits to having a positive attitude? I think that's complicated. I think uh, the belief that people need to have a positive attitude all of the time in order to do well with their cancer is a myth. Uh, that it isn't just having a positive attitude. I always say it's more like doing positive things. It's positive actions uh, by uh, going to your appointments, of doing the things that you need to do for your medical care, taking care of yourself, staying socially connected. It's really these positive actions and not necessarily thinking in your mind, like, everything is great. Uh, and I often uh, tell patients because sometimes people can feel like they could be contributing to their cancer worsening when they have bad days or when they're having thoughts that they can't be positive. Uh, and I tell people that I work with that it's physiologically impossible to be vomiting and positive at the same time. Like your body just can't do that. Uh, and the research has been mixed about this, uh, whether positive attitude in however way people define it for the research study uh, might be helpful. Uh, and it's generally, uh, there's not a lot of evidence uh, in the research to support it. So to your point, some may say that adapting a positive attitude is way easier said than done. Um, and so for people who are struggling with depression or anxiety or dealing with emotional stress in general, what tips would you give for addressing these problems as much as possible? I think first of not uh, blaming yourself, because uh, when people may have depression or anxiety, they could or not feeling positive, could be thinking that they're doing something to the cancer and uh, feeling guilt over themselves doing that, which I think they shouldn't do. Uh, that I think to also talk to other people about it, uh, letting the people who you're close to uh, know about how you're feeling, but also talking with your oncology treaters about it. Uh, that depression and anxiety aren't weaknesses, they're not personal weaknesses, uh, that they are medical issues uh, that sometimes could use medical treatment. Medical treatment doesn't necessarily mean medications, uh, but it could mean psychotherapy or counseling, uh, and sometimes these are really needed uh, in order to help with some of these symptoms getting better. It can be scary to think about going to see a social worker, or psychologist, or psychiatrist about uh, depression or anxiety, uh, but many cancer centers try to make it as easy as possible and try to make it seem like it's just part of routine cancer care, which it is, uh, and sometimes letting people know how common it is that about 30% of people will have depressive or anxiety symptoms that could use talking with a mental health professional uh, to know that they're not by themselves and that there are things you can do for it. 
And so for someone who's listening, are there any web resources that you might recommend? Any places people could go if they want to learn more um, and need help for their depression or anxiety? National Cancer Institute has a lot of good educational pages uh, that cover quality of life issues. There are a few national organizations uh, that specifically uh, focus on psychosocial aspects of cancer. Uh, One of those is Cancer Support Community. Uh, Cancer Support Community uh, offers, at no cost, counseling and groups uh, for people who are affected by cancer, uh, and these could be online. Another online resource would be Cancer Care, uh, which is based out of New York. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Dana-Farber. We cover more than just myths. Check out all of our episodes by searching for Understanding Cancer on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever else you get your podcasts.